Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in the Creative Industries. I'm your host and creator of the podcast, Eric Ravaglia, and welcome to another fantastic episode. Today with me is Craig Black. Craig is a designer, a lettering artist, and a typographer. He worked with some of the most badass clients out there, and his work was featured on computer arts and other magazines, and lately he designed the typography for the Union of European Football Association, the UEFA. This podcast was an absolute blast. His journey is one of a kind. His relentless pursuit of happiness brought him from being a professional footballer to becoming a graphic designer. It permeates how his sheer belief that everything he does has to be driven by passion and what he's really into makes his journey a compelling story. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed making it. And here we go. For me, as an individual, Uh I want to inspire others to pursue their own dreams. That's my ultimate vision. I want to show the world that I can produce world-class work and work with world-class clients from my hometown. Now that's one way to start the podcast. Mm -hmm. Hello everyone, and welcome to Craig Black. Hello mate, how you doing? Hello mate, I'm good mate, yourself? (laughs) You just just saw me switch from normal person to like (laughs) podcast Eric. So let me get that hat on. Yeah. So, there is this thing I always ask, which is, what's your origin story? Which is, can be also, can be both your personal story or your work story. Like, Mm. what is that basically kicked your butt into shape to become who you are today? Oh. That's the origin story to me. We're going to go deep then, aren't we? Of course. Um, Step one, go deep. Step one. So, going back when I was a young, young lad, how young are we talking? We're talking five, six. People used to say, oh, no, people used to say, but typical designers and illustrators used to oh, I used to draw all the time when I was younger and do all these painting stuff. And to be honest, I didn't do any of that. The only things I ever drew, I was a massive football fan. I mean, obsessed. What's your team? Uh, oh. Glasgow Rangers. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much, Greg Black, for joining us on the podcast we're today. Coming, <laughs> we're coming back, don't worry. We're doing well under Stevie G. Anyway, um, but growing up, I was obsessed. Um, my older brother, uh, Gary, he was obsessed with football as well. So we literally just played football all the time. And anything that I was drawing, it was either relating to football badges or the names on the back of football strips. It was always football related. And as years went on, getting a little bit older, um, my mum was like, oh, you should try and do new things like karate or judo. Or, karate. Yeah, or, <laughs> or like the scouts or the cubs. And I remember going to these events, like after one night, I'm like, no, nah, this is shite. <laughs> I just want to go play football. I want to go play football. <laughs> and that was it. And I literally, I, my whole life grew up with a ball under my hand, running across the park and playing football. And that was... Um, amazing for me I, was, I had a great great kind of upbringing and also like something even earlier again I'm going I'm back sitting but we when I grew up I stayed in like a kind of council estate and out in the kind of back green it was like fenced off with different other gardens you could say mm-hmm. but we had this big wasteland and all the kids from the area used to go to this wasteland and we called it the the jungle and it, oh, we, God. We'd go to the ju- at the time it felt yeah. like a jungle 
Um, but what we did was we would um, climb the trees and build uh, tree huts and rope swings and stuff like that. That sounds like a very cool childhood too. Oh, it was. It was. It was incredible. And then, but part of that obviously came with football. So yeah. it was either let's swing from the tree down to the park and then play football. Um, so I keep going on about football because that generally was a big part of my life. So years went on. I got to I was about 14, 15 and I was not too bad at football. I ended up getting a professional contract and my dream was always to be a professional footballer. So I ended up playing for my local team which was Greenock Morton and when they signed me, I was still in high school. I think I was 15 or 16 and everybody was like, oh Craig's going on to be a professional footballer, he's yeah. going to do that, which was great. And that, and How did you feel at that time? Like, you know, the moment that you knew, oh shit, I, I'm going to... I, I I'm gonna make money and play football. Yeah, it was amazing. Like I, I couldn't believe that I was getting paid to actually go and kick a ball about, which I've been doing all my whole life. It was just weird, kind of <laughs> dissecting it in that sense. But I did it when I was like I said, 15, 16, But I was smart enough to think to myself, like, just in case, just in case, just in case there was something that <laughs> because like, I remember watching, listening to people throughout the years or who had football careers and then at some point an injury or something has either ended their career and they've lost and they don't know how to find work or whatever mm. and I always thought to myself I need to have a backup for something I just I didn't something just compelled me to do it and my mum was she didn't push me towards it she always like whatever you want to do I'll support but I was there was something about art that I loved um, and I felt it was a total I got lost in it the same way that I got lost in football at times mm -hmm. that enjoyment because you had a lot of things going on in life at that time that at 15, 16 actually was a really kind of tough time for me because um, my mum went through breast cancer oh um, no but my older brother I suppose Gary mm -hmm. uh, and my dad they were in London so oh, at that shit. point so in that time just you and your mum so it was just me and my mum oh, and no, if tough. we didn't have at that point it was a total kind of, it was a tough point, but I always remember that art and football was a kind of getaway for me. Mm -hmm. And I'd done, what I used to happen was I used to train in the morning yeah. and go to school in the afternoon to do art. And then my art teacher was a massive, massive influence on me. I mean, not just because of doing the artwork, but in life, um, because I don't want to say he was a total role model, but he was there for me. And we sp he spoke to me on a an adult level. I can always remember, like, because when I came into these classrooms as well, I was almost I didn't actually have a class around me. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just jumping story story. No, here. no, like I'm this, just going on a tangent is just the way this. Podcast I just have to works, go so. with the flow here. Just go for the flow. Because it's all just coming rushing back to me all these things. <laughs> go but for what it. happened was I would come training in the morning, going to school in the afternoon. Yeah. And when I'm going into school in the afternoon, it wasn't as if I was going part of a class. I was on my own effectively so it was a special agreement between the football club and the school and so my art teacher who was Paul Murray he was effectively on the other side of the classroom taking the class for first years second years fourth and whatever mm -hmm. and then he would have to jump in between to talk to me whatever I'm doing and he would come over and I'd be working away doing this work and he'd be like Craig that's shit I'm like what the fuck how's it shit and, and then we'd have this rapport yeah. but it would never be I've never felt like he was putting me down in any way. He was pushing me on, and I think that I needed that kind of relationship at that time. And he, 
to this day, I actually see him now, and I always say to him, like, you were the, one of the biggest influences in my life because of the way you treated me that time. And it sounds weird saying that because he swore at me, but it's just that special relationship of just trust. And yeah. he always pushed me and pushed me and pushed me because he knew I could do better in mm. what I was producing at that point in time. But I never thought it. But he always had my best interest at heart. There's a wish, that's kind of sounds strange, but it's really true. Um, anyways, so... No, 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 no. wait. Because, <laughs> like, what, what you're saying that, what you're describing that is... A is huge because yeah. it, it puts into, into perspective how important it is yeah. to have a good teacher. Mm-hmm. To have somebody oh, totally. that really cares about you and then knows your limit, mm-hmm. know you, knows your limits, and and that can push you mm-hmm. positively into yeah. doing better. Oh, totally. Um, and like I can totally relate to that because mm-hmm. when I was a um, uh, high school, mm-hmm. I hated high school because what I was doing wasn't reading. I, I did it because I was lazy. Yeah. Because it was the lazy option. I wanted yeah. to do something different, but I was I, that was the lazy option, right? Because you need that you can take different high schools mm-hmm. and then you do different subjects. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you pick subjects. You mm-hmm. pick a school and that school will teach you certain things. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the best teachers I've ever had was my Italian teacher, mm-hmm. which is the one that pushed me on getting better at writing and reading. Because ah, he was always like, nah, this is not good. You can do mm-hmm. better than this. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, you know, at the time, sometimes I wouldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But then when I started to improve, like really improve, and I was in like second year high school, he really started to see, uh, started, he started to like value mm-hmm. my work. And that made all the difference for me. Mm-hmm. Sadly, that teacher died oh. our third year. And since then, we've always been gutted. Like, I remember the class was, we were all gutted because he was an inspiration to a lot yeah. of us. But for some of us, it was really, really hard. And I was one of those because he really, he had a huge, huge influence on, in two years, it was my Italian teacher. I think he had more influence than every other teacher I've ever had. Oh, okay. Because it was those very strong formative years, mm-hmm. like you were saying, and I was like 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. And having that kind of feedback, real solid feedback mm-hmm. that tells you when you're like mm-hmm. shit yeah it just made all the difference for me mm-hmm. and it was like it was it was it was not as close to me as your 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 art teacher was to you yeah but he was um always there for us mm-hmm. and he whenever whenever i was struggling he was always there to pick me up so i think like he was a great figure for me mm-hmm. and I, i'm like what 20 years later now and i'm still remembering, I'm yeah. still remembering <laughs> what, what i learned through him yeah and like my, probably my love for writing comes from him. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure something happened then. Mm-hmm. And I was, as, that's when I started looking into mm-hmm. writing and really, really enjoying mm-hmm. it. So this is what we need. Yeah, We need real feedback. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, feedback is something that comes into this podcast on and off, people yeah. are talking about it. And the problem is always the same. We lack real heartfelt feedback. Oh, Somebody come and say, look, my opinion is this mm-hmm. because of this, this and that. Mm-hmm then you do whatever you want with it. Yeah, he made a, a massive, he was a massive influence on me, hugely. Um, so do you still, do you still, you say you still in he's contact still, today? He's actually in my hometown still. Is he? I, so do you, do you for catch a, up with him? Yeah, yeah, I saw him the, was it last week. That is awesome. And um, yeah, we caught off for a pint as well. He, he's just incredible. What is he doing now? He's still, still he's still an art teacher. Um, bless uh, him. He's, he's amazing. He's honestly, but he's a fantastic artist as well. That's amazing. Um, and he was telling me his routine. He, like every Sunday, um, he goes in his wee art studio and he still paints away and he shuts the door and puts yeah. on his um, classical music, which I used to take a piss out him for. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he was he was big for me. And it when he started encouraging me and kind of pushing me. 
uh, outside my comfort zone, that was a big shift in me as a person as well. Because as I mentioned before, my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer at that age and then after I left high school I went straight into basically the first team at uh, 15, 16 years old and it was a great experience and stuff but what happened? I didn't enjoy football as much as I thought I was going to enjoy no way I was there for five or six years but there's a lot of politics involved um, there's a lot of egos at play and I just when you when you grow up and you dream of doing this and when you're doing it and it just isn't what you expect it to be it crushed me it so really soul destroying and another factor as well is that I was doing so well like in training mm-hmm. and all the other games and but I wasn't getting a proper opportunity because the manager just didn't like me and I just didn't understand I was, I was struggling to understand that so why, why do you think he didn't like you then? Was that your attitude or like some, you don't know? So and it's sometimes in the sporting world that you get managers who have their favourites and they bring oh, their own right. people and his excuse for me was that I was always too young. And That's I was like, so annoying though. I'm, I'm, I was doing better than everybody else. But anyways, but in that time, I like I keep, my mum was going through a treatment and as much as it was saying great that being a professional footballer but the money was shit to be honest and honestly then how much is the money then oh, at that mean? time I was on what was it 150 quid a, a week was it or even less than that um, so putting so I need to go back to this thing about my yeah. mum because um, at that time my mum didn't she was a she is a hairdresser and when she went off to get her treatment and stuff she didn't get any financial support from um, any kind of businesses not businesses but the kind of charity based stuff yeah. I don't know for whatever reason my mum didn't fall into a certain category and I remember specifically one time that my mum was in hospital this is really early doors and my dad came up from London and I, I was mentally in a struggling to deal with it all and I was getting angry. I was getting really, really angry with people trying to help because I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a mummy's boy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was always there for my mum, and then all of a sudden, people are just coming out of woodwork trying to help mum, and which is great. But at that time, I couldn't. I just couldn't understand it. Mm. And my dad turned around to say to me, like this. He always, I can always remember. Put his hand on my shoulder and turned around and says, "This is the moment that you now need to become a man." Mm. And like a light switch, I changed. Totally changed. My anger gone, everything gone, and it was this incredible focus and determination to one to help and support my mom in the best way I can, but to live life the best I possibly can because it can be gone in an instant. Yeah. So throughout those years, I was still a professional footballer, but what I, a lot of people don't know is I had two other jobs as well. So I used to work with um, quarriers, and I don't know if you know what quarriers are, but they're it's a place where it helps um, people for supporting people with independent living with disabilities and yeah. all those kind of things so people have their own houses and I would go in and support them and take them out for the day and help them study help them learn and, yeah. and, and just basically supporting people with disability and and at first I always feel that I've always got something to give and I, can, I feel like I've got this I don't know inner belief that I, I can help change not change people but help support people in any way and then 
I, I genuinely thought I was just going to do this job. It was just a stopgap to make some money because I was getting the work, training in the morning, going to do this job in the afternoon. If it was like say one till six, and then I used to go work in a, a bar at night from seven till twelve at night, and then I would go back to training the next day just to get making money to help support my mum and pay bills. So, and I'd done that for three or four years. So at that point. Creativity, art, design, whatever, yeah. was out the window. There like, was, was no time for but it. But I learned a lot as a human being in that point, and I learned a lot about supporting and helping one another, uh, other people. Mm. I thought that job, the the one with Corios, and I was only going to last like a week. I was there for three or four years. It was one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever done in my entire life. Like I still see some of the people that I used to help, and they will still recognise me. They obviously I've got a beard now, so it's yeah. a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they'll still stop and they say how much I've made an impact on their life and that's that's, uh, that's incredible. But all those life lessons um, has made me, has hugely influenced my career as a crea- creative person. Um, because going on, so after that next step, I was continuing to play football, but then I just got so disheartened with the game and I had offers, I just decided I didn't want to play it anymore. Um, I just wanted to walk away. And it's funny because I had offers to stay, I had offers to go to the other clubs, offers to travel, like go to other places across the world and play football, but my heart wasn't there anymore. And people were like, Craig, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just don't want to do it. And you know, you know what, what do you want to do? And I wasn't too sure, I'm brutally honest, I wasn't too sure. And I remember going back to my art teacher who's influenced me, who's helped my career, always helped my career. I remember meeting him in uh, Tesco, and he's like, Craig, what's happening? And I was just, I just explained, I don't want to play football anymore. And he says, well, you're shit at football anyway. Why don't you go and do <laughs> do your creative stuff? And he's like, listen, let me let me uh, make a few phone calls. And I think you should do, um, speak to this lecturer at Cardinal College and doing a graphic design course. I'm like, what the fuck's graphic design? And he says, just go along. He says, well, I'll obviously speak to him. So I was like, went back home. I was like, mum. I mean, study graphic design. She's like, what's that? She's like, I don't know, drawing <laughs> or something like that. I um, drawing. <laughs> had no idea. And, um, oh, man. So I remember um, I had this meeting with this uh, uh, Kenny, I forgot Kenny's name, but he was a lecturer at Cardinal College and this was five or six years after I've left high school, played football and stuff. So this, this, is, this is the time where you, you left football at this left point? Football. And you said no to all these other offers. Yep. You spoke with your, with your teacher, with your art yep. teacher, and like you figured, you, you figured out, you found out it, about graphic it design. Basically, just when he said that to me, it just ignited something inside me. It was like a light bulb moment again, and I was like, like I want to go a step back a little bit, okay? Because like you know the, the football, which is not about the football, it's about <clears throat> having this dream mm-hmm. of doing something, mm-hmm. and then this dream get battered by yeah. being doing it. By mm-hmm. and figuring out this is not for you. Mm-hmm. How how did you get to that point? Like emotionally, because like it's like if today you you discovered that like yeah. actually it graphic was, design and typography is not your thing. Yeah, it was a slow deterioration to be honest. It was an accumulation of constant rejection, constant um, politics. Um, this is in football. Yeah. Um, and just not very nice people. That was the thing, and it grinded on me. Every day I was going in, trying oh, to be positive, shit. and I was just getting knocked down and knocked down. Not 
for it was just I generally thought that doing this it would be exciting and fun. There was f- football was there was no fun in it. There was no fun in football, and I I look back now and I gave everything I had to make this become a reality. But sometimes things were outside of my control. But I always done it because I, I had fun. I always think about when I was a kid. That's the reason why I wanted to do it because it made me fun. It was fun. It put a smile on my face. Yeah. And when I was doing it, I didn't have a smile on my face. I actually got to the point that I made up excuses not to go to training. Well, that's it. That one you saw me excuses. And don't get me wrong. The other side of it was like the financial, or not the financial, but the personal side of my mum scenario as well, and and life and all those things. It was like is accumulation of stuff, but. I just wasn't enjoying it and I think that was a key thing for me was like once I started not enjoying it then I need to find my happiness again because as much as my mum my mum is incredible I mean absolutely incredible but she was I'm getting emotional now oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, um, she was always support. she's always trying to look after me when she was not yeah. well and even now she's always trying to look after me even is she good now oh she's better she's all clear um, which is fantastic and again after one thing that I always remember is going back to this kind of I'm, I'm sorry I keep jumping in front yeah, but after those series of things I realised that I needed to find my happiness because I, was, I wasn't happy at all in life in general and my mum it had a knock on effect on me and I was I'm kidding you not I, had, I was a happy child happy teenager I had a smile on my face but at this point in my life I was just nah I just wasn't there mentally and I wasn't I wasn't happy at all I wasn't I wasn't great and I I knew that myself and then but I knew it was the only person who could change it was me so then that kind of moment that I met this is another kind of when I met that teacher it was a kind of light bulb moment again I was like wait a minute here this is something that I could potentially have fun with. And um, and that was the key, was always having fun and being happy. And that's how I see life, is happiness is the key to everything that you do. So, I went and done this course, uh, graphic design. I remember the first day I went in, had no idea what was going on. But I was in this classroom <laughs> and everybody had big smiles on their faces and stuff going, hey, how you doing? And just seeing what the potential of what it could lead to, I was just like, I'm sucked right and I love this. I absolutely loved it. After day one, that was me done. And I was... See the baggage of letting that professional football career and all that stuff that I had before was gone. I, all, I knew from that moment that this is something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Going on... All you needed was just people to be nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's what it is. It's, you could have played on another yeah. football team where everybody was happy, but and it, who knows. So, after that, I I did... Um, I got, came back... So I club basically a semi-professional club asked me to come back and she's because I did miss playing football so I was like I'll come back and I played with a semi-professional team and it was great I loved it and the people were just men who are like working in a post office or they're electricians plumbers or whatever and they come play football at night and they're always having a laugh having a joke and I, I was the best time of my life when I played football then and that's when I started studying at the same time. So I was playing part-time football and I was studying. It was perfect. But I ended up having a, a brilliant first season coming back. And the team that I was at before, Greenock Martin, <coughs> knew about it and asked me to come back. No to the way. Team. And they offered me... So they asked me to come back on... I think they asked me to come back on trial. 
and I was totally torn. I remember speaking to the head of the graphic design course and I says, listen, I've got this opportunity to potentially go back and play football. I says, my heart, there's still a part of me still wants to be that professional football, but my other side is wanting to do yeah. graphic design. She's, she turned around and I always remember, she says, like, Craig, I fully understand where you come from and I know you've got something in football, she says, but you've got so much, something so much greater in design. And she's like, go, go, try. It's the responsibility of that person. Oh, totally. Um, But just hearing that will always resonate with me for the rest of my life. um, Because it was a pivotal moment. It was a very pivotal moment because I remember getting in that trial. She said to me, go do the trial and just see how you feel. Because I spoke to her about it before how I didn't enjoy it as much. But I I had to scratch that itch in a sense. As soon as I walked down there, within the first day, I was, I was supposed to be there for two weeks, and uh, I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. I can't imagine it must have felt like such a huge step back for you, which is crazy oh, if you're thinking about it. It's totally. like back to professional football, yeah. and you're like, nah. Nah, and I remember I had played a trial game against Hibs, and I'd done well, and the manager was saying like, so um, basically he's interested in giving me a contract. And like, I was like, like, so like a, a real contract, a real contract to come back. <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, mate." I says, "I don't want to. I don't want to sign." He says, "What do you mean?" I says, "I don't even want to play football anymore." And he, he, he was shocked. I says, "I've got something else going on." I says, "I'm doing graphic design now." And I says, "That's where my heart is now." And he was just like, "He must have been broken." Oh, he he was totally shocked because. I don't think you get many people doing or being brave enough to say. Are you kidding me? To reject that. One guy wants to work, wants to play football, professional football. Yeah. Somebody comes and here's your contract, mate, yeah. and you go like, "Nah, thank you. Yeah. I'm doing graphic design over there." It's, it's, it's a bit <laughs> mental. I know what you say like that. But it's see, crazy. see, after that though, there was such a. It was, it was as if, it was. I don't know, right? Like, it was free. That weight was gone. Do you know what I mean? I, I've I've done my football thing now, and I was happy to go and pursue craft design where it was going to take me. Totally, I, like you had to do that try. I, I had to do it, and I think it, it was a whole build of a, a series of life events for this moment. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Um, so then, yeah, I went into craft design and that course, and I, and I loved it, and I met some amazing people who are still friends with now. And then from that, I ended up. I think it was my last project in uni, and that's just where the, the typography and lettering came into it. And everybody keeps asking, where did it all come, where did it all stem from? And I genuinely, the only thing that really comes to my head is probably the names on the back of football tops. Like, back in the day, it must have been that, or the football badges, it must have been that. It's always been sublimely in my head. Because when I look at football tops, I've always thought of the names on the back of the top, yeah. and how it's been constructed. And I was like, how has that been made? How has that been, who, who glues that on? Who paints that on? Who does yeah. that? And it's always sat with me, even before doing graphic design. So it's always been kind of in in my brain. And then I remember doing this last project in uni, uh, in this course, and it was uh, my very first time doing any lettering piece, and I found it was the most challenging and most hardest project I've ever done. It took me so long to craft in a piece of lettering work. And I've always been self-taught. It wasn't as if I turned around to a lecture and said, Can you, how do I do this? And says, you figure it out yourself, basically. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I did. And I remember finishing this project. And I was it was a, basically a, a packaging, a branding and packaging project for a craft brewery. Uh, and I created these bottle designs and created these labels. And 
and I was so proud of myself. Like I'd done other projects, but I was extremely proud of myself because I overcome this challenge of doing lettering because it was so fucking hard. And then from that moment, I remember getting it out there and ended up getting actually a few design awards and uh, on the blogs and stuff, which was great. And it it was just like a another kind of light bulb moment saying I want to do this for the rest of my career. And type on. Yeah. you are fucking good at it. So like, how did you get that? Like, because. <clears throat> You know, there, there are people that are talented, people that work hard, and people that do both, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds to me that you, you kind of like that magic spot where you work like a motherfucker, but also you are really good at what you do. So, like, when, when did you get that good? And say, from what you're saying, even the, first, the very first project you did mm-hmm. outside of uni mm-hmm. was already a winner. <laughs> so, it's like, how, how did you get from... I, I get the journey, right? Yeah. You went to uni... But like that's everybody's journey. Mm-hmm. But then you came out of it. Yeah. And like you're just good at this stuff. There's incredible amount of hard work and practice and practice and practice and practice. Yeah. I think it's totally underestimated. Um, I remember when I graduated, I moved straight to London. I the first job I had was uh, an actual motion design agency, and I came from a print-based background, so I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but on the side of that, I, I knew from day one from uni that I wanted to become an independent designer specialising in typography and lettering. It just it just felt right. I don't know why, but it felt like a, I don't know, destiny. If that's what you call it. It just felt like this is something I need to do. So what happened is when I was working this job, I would... <laughs> London junior designer salary is absolutely piss. It is so poor that all I could do was pay my rent and then I had a little bit to eat. So in that time, I had my evenings and weekends. All I did was practice and practice and practice. Um, and I was just con- just knocking out so many personal projects. And after it, I just consistently done that. And then, I, but I put it online because I always thought to myself, all right, it might not be perfect, but it could be brilliant in someone else's eyes. It could be shite in someone else's eyes, but I totally believe in getting your work out there and just showing it. Um, because if even if you look at uh, my Instagram account, and if you scroll away back, like you'll see some of the the poorer work compared to where I'm at now. No, but, but that's the beautiful thing about that, Instagram. It's it like to- you can see the progression yeah. after its life. And like, why would you go remove stuff that was there for three years ago? Yeah. You know? Just leave it there. Let it yeah. breathe, and let's true. see. Let's no, see. Totally show true. people how how mm-hmm. you've grown and over the years. So sorry, but it, it just it is that. I was just purely devoted to practicing and practicing and practicing. And I had this dream of becoming this independent designer. So like I was in that job for two and a half years and it was funny because I ended up picking up a few personal projects, which oh, I'd done a few personal projects, which led to some commissions. When I thought about commissions, it was like a hundred quid for doing this lettering piece of work. And I remember doing my very first window mural in this for Slick's Barber Shop. And the guys contacted me and they said, oh, how would you fancy doing a window mural? I was like, oh, brilliant. Like, how the hell did I do this? But I'm doing it. And I remember, I think I get paid, was it 150 quid? And I must have spent (laughs) five days non-stop doing this mural on glass. But see, the thing is, it was the best thing ever. You you had to do it. I had had to to do it. it. I had to do it. And... I totally like it's not as if I could phone somebody or email somebody how do you do a window mural I was literally like right I'll buy these pens I'll see if they work on glass 
let's see it. How do I do a stencil? How do I print it out? I was just totally figuring things out on my own. And when I was flinging that deep end, I learned so much more about myself. And so I was doing these projects and I remember that one specifically because I ended up sending out to blogs going, oh fuck it, like maybe someone will pick up. It wasn't great. Looking back now, it wasn't great. There's was a lot of um, kind of mishaps or whatever, but it got onto creative um, computer arts magazine. And they, I remember they emailed me back saying, we want to do a three page spread on this. And I was like, what? I was like, that's my very first, it was probably my very first commission in terms of lettering. And I was like, that's just unreal. And um, I remember he got in this magazine and I was, kid you not, I remember getting the magazine for the very first time and I opened it up and I burst into tears. I really burst into, it was such, even now thinking about it, because you work so hard for them and see just that appreciation for someone just to say, that's nice, do you know what I mean? Because I was working away, practicing, practicing, practicing in my own space, in this little shed in London, do you know what I mean? Which is my bedroom and my little studio. And it was as if I didn't have that interaction with anybody else, I was just working, working, working. And then just to be recognised for that moment and seeing it in such a prestigious magazine, it's such, as a first project, was just mind-blowing. Somehow, so I went into work into re that company I went if I was in motion design and I don't know how but my creative director happened to have the copy of Computer Arts opens it up and go sees me and I spit my big face right there going did you do this? I was like yeah she's like why why haven't you told us about it? I says well because it's typing lettering and we're doing motion based stuff I didn't think it would be necessary she says Craig this is incredible and then this is like this is really really cool. We're going to start to have to use your skill set more for things like this. And then that was a total turning point. And one thing I can I want to encourage students or anyone who's starting out in the game is show if you, for instance, get into a motion design agency or broadcast design agency, and you have skill set in something else, don't be afraid to show it and tell other people because it can open up other opportunities. So off the base of that, we were doing branding projects, and. The one of the best projects that came in was the UEFA Europa League, and that was an amazing project because the creative director knew that I had a, a passion for type. And when this project came in, she's like, I know the perfect guy for this. One, he's got a football background, two, he loves type. So I got this project, which was creating the logo typeface for the UEFA Europa League. And it's such Stop. a <laughs> let's take a breather here, okay. That is an insane project to get yeah. for a designer. I mean, that is payback for all the hard times. Yeah. Know? Like that hardship of just yeah. saying, oh, fuck it, all I'm going to do is work. Because mm -hmm. oh, that's work, that's all I can do. Mm -hmm. And like then come that comes your way. Yeah. That's mad. That's that's why I believe that hard work is the key to everything. Do you know what I mean? In terms of yeah. pushing on with your career. Um, and it will lead to other opportunities and, and keep practicing away because... If that window mural that I did for 150 quid is effectively knocked on effect to get me that project with doing the Youth Europa League. Do you imagine? I've not really actually thought about it like that. Oh, God. <laughs> imagine, right? You are one of those guys and they were like, you really want to do this project but 150 quid is not enough. And you would have been like, no, nah, I can't. I, won't. I, put, I can't do it for 150. And you've just passed on it. Mm. Imagine the knocked on effect on yeah. everything else you've done. Mm -hmm. I do believe it because of the stage I was in my career. Yeah. That now, 
obviously circumstances have changed and stuff but yeah. I do believe that even if it was if to be honest if he had said to me could you do it for free I would have done it I say but it was more of a contribution because he saw me sweating for five days painting that window mural and I think he felt like oh right I need to give this guy something um, but yeah that not going effect led to the UFO Europa League because my creative director seen the work that I could possibly potentially do and it's not as if I'm a shy guy I just didn't feel like type had its place in or my lettering work had a place in that design yeah. agency and it wasn't until I realised that I should have been showcasing that a bit more and being a bit more had a bit more self belief yeah. and and then but these all things build the character who I am now and I have an immense self belief in what I'm doing but getting back to the year for League and it that was an incredible project for me and it was probably the, still to this day probably the most challenging um, and hard projects to work on I remember like it was moving like each kind of the kerning and stuff like that like by pixel by this mm-hmm. art director in Switzerland I was like oh fucking hell but it lasted for about a year and uh, in total but it came, it released about a year later and it was amazing to to see it out there and it was a good project too because it resonates with my my dad and my brother as well who have absolutely no idea about design and creative world like how did you go <laughs> how did you go to your to your brother and your dad and you're like so yeah I've been offered um, a contract to play yeah football yeah. but I don't nah that's quite an interesting point because I'm gonna go do graphic design the, my dad and my brother have, have always believed in me and supported me no matter what I do and the same with my mum and the same with my fiance as well like right. if I've made a decision they'll back me no matter what and the thing is is like to, for for a dad for us to turn and go oh my son plays for this team and all that which is quite a big thing especially in Scotland yeah for dads to say things like that but if you whatever my dad always says to me my brother always says that whatever makes you happy go do it yeah. my mum says it as well my, my fiance says it so there was no ever any issues and it's great now because it's well, it was hard to explain what I didn't my dad and my brother did not really understand what I was doing and the only way I could probably explain is I remember it was the first time the, the branding rolled out and we all sat and watched the TV and I says, see that typeface that's on that billboard and all the signage and stuff? I says, that was me done that. And my old man's like, that's brilliant, son. He's like, I'm well proud of you. <laughs> and that was just that. And, I, and then ever since, like, my dad is, my brother especially, like, I, they're both plumbers. They, they come, they're like typical lads. But they've got a great... Um, everything that I do they've got great support for me and they actually are keen and interested in seeing what I'm doing and, and that means the world to me do you know what I mean especially coming from annoying creative backgrounds from like my brother's side who like I said just played football all the time but he's always interested in what I'm doing and, that, and that's amazing for me really really is I mean now I'll send my brother like I said, look what I've done today and he's like <laughs> typical big brother's like I still shite <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? but um, so yeah um, where did I get to that point um, Europa League Red B wow. um, okay, so Red Europa B was League, the agency yeah. so after that I I decided that I wanted to get into more print based work and working with designers to do more branding and I actually contacted a company called Gregory Bonner Hale and at that time I they were like my f- 
favourite designer you see, I says, like, this is it, this is where I want to go, this is where my career will excel, if you could say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember creating this kind of package thing, it was like a frame, and I'd done this lettering work on the glass, and on the back of it was like a wee self-promo portfolio book, and there was no jobs going, there was nothing going at all, um, but I sent it to five five agencies, and I sp- must have spent about six months building this thing, maybe probably like ten months, and then I remember se- I sent it to all these agencies, and then Jason of Gregor Boner Hale, Jason Gregory, contacted me saying, this is brilliant, um, would you fancy coming in for a chat? And I was like, of course. Again, there wasn't a job going, but because I took my initiative and thought, if there's not a job, I'm going to bash it all down and say, here, I can do this kind of work. I can do it for you. Let's do it. And and when I went and met him, I, I kind of showed this, I didn't know, I, I, the way I am and how I work and stuff like that. And he obviously kind of liked it. And he kind of created a job for me, or I created a job for myself. And that was a... When looking back now, that's one of the biggest highlights that I've done is actually taking a step back here. I always see students, I always see people saying, oh, there's no jobs out there. There's no opportunities out there. Sometimes you need to take initiative and go knock these doors yourself. Create a nice little promo postcard or create a nice book. Like, you can do it cheap. You don't need to spend the amount of money I did. Send an email to these people. Go and sit knocking the door saying, can I have a conversation? Just say hello. Because you never know what it could lead to. And see, when you take that initiative, it does open doors further down the line. So, getting back to my story. Ended up in uh, Gregor Bonner Hill. And it was a great place, but at this point, I was pushing more and more and more my personal work and, and pushing typography and lettering and create black design. And then I started to get bigger commissions, but majority of them were like on-site work and it was like based in back home in Glasgow and and I was in London at the time and I can remember there was one specific project that I've, I've talked about before was the branding and work with the interior and stereo design for Cheeto Mexican Kitchen um, and that was that was a game changer for me um, in terms of going from full-time employment to going out on my own. I obviously just started this job and I didn't have any holidays and this job was back up the road the guy John who ran the was opening this restaurant he says I've only got six weeks until I'll be open he says can you help me I says cool and he I remember getting that up I flew up that weekend it was just a massive big amazing restaurant and my head started going like we could do murals here we could do window mural designs we could do all of this he's that brilliant he says I'll let you go do it then I was like cool so I created this um, kind of type hierarchy branding, which would be used across um, the logo design, print collateral, and the murals, uh, interior mural, and then I done a, a window mural. But again, I keep saying six weeks, but what effectively was was six weekends because I would work Monday to Friday in London, and then on a Friday evening I would um, fly up to Glasgow, and then get home at midnight, and then knock two twelve fifteen hour shifts for six weekends in a row painting murals and doing all sorts and yeah it was mental absolutely mental um but it was uh, a the, so much i had the biggest smile on my face and i've done it for pennies i think it only covered my travel costs after that i think i actually paid out more uh doing this project <laughs> yeah, but oh, my heart I, I, there's so much joy 
I honestly so much joy doing this project and uh, and I brought people along with me to help and they were doing it and they had a biggest smile. I was like, listen, I like all I can do is offer you a a fajita. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't have any money and they were like, no, we want to help and see because of that, that was a special moment for me is because I always like the creative community is, is so special and there is people there, there who want to help and I, that was, I could never finish that project wasn't for the four or five guys that came in and helped me to paint the murals that day. Um, so I managed to get that project done and then the not going effect of working intensely for six weekends or six weeks in a row um, hit me like a ton of bricks. I went back to London, miserable in this job because I knew my heart was elsewhere. But at that point, I hit burnout. So you were still with that motion graphics broadcasting no, company? No, no, I was at the next agency, sorry, okay. which is Gregory Bonner Hills. Oh, so you were at the other agency, yeah. So, and then I hit burnout big time and I was floored, absolutely floored. Um, and I struggled to my thought process. I couldn't just couldn't think right. Well, even when I was and I was trying to work in this agency and I just couldn't function. My heart was elsewhere, and I was just done in. I was absolutely done in. And I remember speaking to my family and friends, and I was like, I just want to go do more and thing. And then I, I can't remember. I think it was my missus. She's like, right, let's be serious for a minute. What's holding you back? What is it? What is really holding you back? And I says, "Well, I I, I came up with about a hundred million excuses." She's like, "Right, Craig, like, forget all that. Do you really want to do this? Do you really want to pursue being an independent designer, doing typography and lettering for the rest of your career?" I says, "Yeah." He says, "Let's go do it then. Let's do it." And then he says, "Like, we, you get anybody. We've got people around you who can help in any way or form." And at that moment, I kid you not, I had no finding that like I, I've not I, I can't turn around to my mum and dad going can you help me financially I didn't have any of that I managed to scribble up a month's rent one month's rent in London um, to get this business going so I only had four weeks to get in more work but I was like fuck it like, let's let's go for it and I remember doing it I, I quit the job and just said listen I need to go do my own thing I need to go do, I need to go and pursue what my heart's telling me to go do and um and don't get me wrong, prior to actually making that final jump, I was I contacted a lot of um, other independent designers, getting as much experience as possible, speaking to other agencies, like, how did you start? Reading books, blogs, any kind of information and experience I could use to help me for my own journey. So it's safe to, assume, it's safe to say that you prepared for this? The, yes. As much as, as one much as can be prepared. Yes. Yes. yes, that's, yes, you could say that. Um but see when I was flung in that deep end you learn a lot about yourself and what you're capable of doing and I, I managed I don't know how but I managed to get work in and I get more work in and I was starting to survive I scraped I, I'm kidding you not I scraped by and I managed to pay my rent each time but I had the biggest smile on my face I was so happy and I was on the le- more or less money than I was years and years and years ago <laughs> but it was the happiest I've ever been and I I was like it just meant a lot to me. It really meant, that, especially with the various few things I've had in my life. Like I keep going back to how happiness is the key to everything, and she being able to have control of my life and control of what I want to do was the most empowering thing ever. And by doing that, it actually inspired others to go do their own thing as well. And I didn't necessarily realize it until 
a wee bit later on in life but that journey that initial start off was so hard but I'm so glad it happened the way it did like I scraped by I remember getting uh, a freelance gig um, working in there and I was doing to be honest I was doing some nonsense freelance work I didn't even enjoy but it, paying, it was paying for the next couple of months work and then it led me gave me some time to do personal work the stuff I wanted to do and then I would show that my portfolio because I was, I, most of my portfolio was full of personal projects and I wasn't ashamed of saying that either like I thought this is what I do and this is what I'm capable of doing but clients love seeing like for some reason people I always find that people always see me and my work there's some sort of connection and they always see it, it brings a smile to their face and when they meet me as a person it's the kind of same emotion which is a special thing and I like to think that my work can provide something like that um, so continuing on to the journey um, I'm sorry if I'm just totally wrong no, I am you just like, um, I am lost in the story man. so I was in London for eight months being an independent designer scraping by but near the last couple of months I was literally I, I lived and I worked in this little cabin uh, and I was consumed by it 24 hours and I was working around the clock because I felt I need to get this done I need to get this social media post out I need to do this I need to contact that person this, 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 this how did you find a place in a cabin to live like basically a big <laughs> shed it was um, my old man stayed out in London and he I was renting in the first place and he ended up getting a house which had a, a garden and he says I've got a spare bedroom but it's a cabin and we basically renovated it and we turned this cabin into my bedroom so big thanks to my dad and giving me that help for that um, so that was a great platform it, it, we kind of built the room if that made sense yeah um, so yeah I just found it mental you, I know you I probably missed, I totally missed that but it's if you should know that you know <laughs> you basically lived in a shed yeah I did I left in a shed for three years does that <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's it must have been really cold in there oh we, we got it I remember we got it insulated in the first year it doesn't kick in until like a year later and I was sleeping I remember sleeping in craggy bottoms a hoodie uh, a sleeping bag and then the covers on top <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. That's mental. See, I'm thinking that's proper mental. What I was doing, like, that adds to the story. Yeah, you should totally. definitely snag this somewhere else in the middle. Because, <laughs> like, when I seen your pictures and I, and I seen a couple of your talks, and when you're talking about the shed, I was always like, you lived in a motherfucking shed. Well done. I know. I, I I've never actually thought about it as much as that one. But it was a great. It was. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant experience and a brilliant place to start a little studio as well. But after eight months of being consumed by it, I literally, in terms of, I got cabin fever, you could say. That's, <laughs> the, best, that's, the, best, that's the best terminology. <laughs> I just, um, I wasn't enjoying London. I wasn't enjoying the way of life. I didn't enjoy the hustle and bustle. And I remember, and I was coming back home to Scotland quite frequently. And I remember one time specifically, Christmas, um, I was up for two weeks and I was coming I was coming back to London which was fine but this time I struggled I remember being in the airport and I was distraught I was absolutely struggling why the fuck am I going back to London why am I coming back so I spoke to my fiance and I was like listen I'm going to move back in three months time because I always felt like by being in London that's where I'm going to get the work can, that's, you, can you explain where he's home home is Gourok uh, Inverclyde which is on the west coast of 
Scotland. It's uh, a beautiful, it's, quaint little town. Oh, well, I love it. I love it. Small, medium town. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing place. And just literally on the water, like it's just triangle. People are so nice. Um, way of life is brilliant. Um, at that point, I started free, freelancing with Thirst Craft. So at the time, uh, so Thirst are a, a branding and packaging design agency specialising in the drink industry. And they started off with Matt Burns and Chris Black. And they, I was freelancing with them doing lettering typographic work for beer or vodka or whatever. And I was loving the work they were doing. And ended up with them for six months freelancing. And then, so I'm, I'm on doing my own thing, but I'm freelancing with them because I was really, really enjoying being with their company and their ambition and drive because they were really, really infectious. And they're like, Craig, do you fancy, like, we know you've got this, like, had that offer and stuff, but would you fancy, like, joining forces with us and and you can do your thing and you can do Thirst as well, like, combining the two? And I was like, well, why not? Do you know what I mean? And it was great f- for me because I was able to use their skill set as well to help me. So I ended up with Thirst for 18 months. We grew, there's three of us and we grew, I think there's, I don't know, I think there's nine now. And... Um, working with amazing clients across the world and it was amazing to be a part of something like that there was amazing culture brilliant brilliant people I love them all to pieces but what was hard was trying to combine the two like Craig Black Design and Thirst and we always from a get go tried to manage it and it just wasn't working it wasn't working because it got to the point where uh, I was working evenings, I was going back and working weekends and I was becoming stressed again and I wasn't, I just wasn't in the right place mentally to deal with it because it was having a not going to affect on my fiance for instance, my friends because they'd be like, oh, do you want to go out this weekend? I'm like, no, I need to work, I need to draw this, I need to paint this, I need to do this. I know, but what about us? And I'm like, no, 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 I've got to fucking, I need to deal with my own thing first, do you know what I mean? I need to deal with my business and then it, it snowballed, it really snowballed and then it, it literally woke up one morning and then I was like, I need to get back and do my own thing again. I need to be independent designer of what I've always wanted to do. And I turned around to Alison, my fiance, and I was like, I need to go, I need to leave. And she's like, nothing, I loved, I kid you not, I loved what I was doing with them, I loved the work, I loved the people, she says, but my heart was, again, Telling me to go be my, be my own boss and have control of my life again. I get noise if I didn't lose control, but just having yeah. that responsibility. And Alison just turned around and says, Well, if anybody can do it, it's you, Craig. And I was just like, Fuck it. Again, going back to that scenario, was I prepared financially? No, I wasn't, because I'm bloody getting married next year and as well. We oh. just bought a house, we've got a mortgage, so I'm paying a hell of a lot out. But I remember going into the speak to the guys at Thirst and I thought, listen, and I explained everything to them and they were like in full support, to be honest. They were in full support of me going and doing my own thing. Um, and the way I left them, the company, and they're striving on was and they're doing fantastic things and they've got a great bunch of great graphic designers and other business people there now. Um, and I, I'm glad the time that I had. But that's now, I left in April 2018, this, this year. So that's been six months, me back as an independent designer. I've been doing bits and pieces while I was with us. I was doing all these other projects, but I wasn't fully concentrated on it. And 
when I remember jumping into being independent design in April this year, I was like, I don't know, it was just a steely focus and determination and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking make this work. I'm and everything that I've done and everything I have done, so the the past six months have been a whirlwind. I mean, it's just consistently got better and better and better. And I've worked I work harder now than I've ever done before. But I've done I do less hours as well. And that's something I want to explain as well because I was working under the sun. I was doing so many hours working, trying to work two roles. And I wasn't good mentally and I wasn't good physically in my health as well. And that had a knock on effect with relationship with my fiance, family and friends. So when I decided to go out more, I have an agreement with my fiance that from when I get up, so basically I have a studio space, which is actually a spare bedroom in our flat. Um, and we decided to return in, or like I said, a studio. I go in there and I work from the morning until when she comes in from work at uh, half four, five o'clock. And as soon as she's in the door, laptop down. And at first couple of weeks, and that was, she's like, if you promise me that, then everyone will be okay. I says, and she's a mental health nurse, so she knows what she's talking about. I was like, all right, okay. And in my head, I was like, how the fuck am I going to make this work? I can't get Jeter even thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I implemented it from day one, right? I implemented it from day one. And it's been the best thing I've ever done. I kid you not. So I work from, I got off at, I, I, this is a routine for me. I get up at half six in the morning. I go to the gym just down the street. I come back in the house and I'm at my desk, have my breakfast from nine, half nine. And I just work non-stop. Don't have non-stop. I work hard in that, that time frame. To have my lunch and have breaks whenever. I go out for yeah. walks because literally the water's like 100 yards away from me. I'm always down having a walk. It was just really, really important. But as soon as she comes in the door, I literally laptop down. And see that? It's because it's been such a relief, such a weight off my shoulders because it made me realise what's more important in life. And it is family and it is friends. For me, do you know what I mean? Work will always be there. Tomorrow I'll always have something to do. I'll always have an email to catch up on. I'll always have some project and I'll always be there the next day. And implementing those wee small steps seems hard, but see when you start doing it over and over and become consistent, it will have a greater effect on your mental well-being and so for instance in the evening times like I used to previously like no time for anyone like I'm just working now I'm able to go out walks or bloody watch TV if I wanted to or watch a football or do things like socialising and stuff more and it's hugely hugely benefited me and my work because of it because I concentrate on that full time scale don't get me wrong Sometimes you've got to deal with emails here and there later at night, when we, especially when we're getting international-based clients and stuff and Skype calls. But there's a leeway, do you know what I mean? I make over on the weekends or whatever. Well, one thing is having one call at like midnight because mm -hmm. you have an American client or mm -hmm. whatever. One thing is working every day until 7, yeah. 8, 9 p.m. and then do the call at midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a completely different game you're playing mm -hmm. there. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like okay, so I got this thing one day and then the rest mm -hmm. of the day I'm reading a book, I'm watching yeah, a movie, yeah. I'm going for a walk. You, do, you, have you ever, do you have a dog? No, no. We thought about getting a dog, but I don't know. I, because I, I actually cause a, a riot in the house just now myself, so pain everywhere, so I don't think it'll benefit me having a dog. It'll just be... 
You Mormons. love the little thing, though, man. I know. So we've had thought about it, but at, at this stage just now, probably not because because Alison's out of the house and that sometimes I'm away on site and I'm travelling away. Yeah, no, totally. It doesn't make sense. So, but yeah, like getting back to even Sorry. the past six months. <laughs> that I, was just a bit. No, no, it's, it's but, all good. Yeah. Um, even the, this past six months has just been incredible. Um, really, I keep coming back to happiness, and I'm. Think, thinking about my life now it's the happiest I've ever been it genuinely is but you see like now we're going full circle because mm-hmm. now you're all happy and like you know <laughs> the world is all like rainbows yeah. and polar bears mm-hmm. right but you're onto like one of the craziest ideas yeah, by yeah. yourself yeah. that I heard late, lately yeah so um this is the kind of stuff you talk hypothetically with people. Mm-hmm. You say, oh, it would be great to do this. It would yeah. be great to do that. But it's a complete different game yeah. to go out there and actually fucking do it. Mm-hmm. So could you please explain what you're, so, what you're after? Um, I'm a very kind of in- instinctive, is that the right term? I just act. That's the best way. I think let's act, let's see what happens. If it doesn't work, we move on. That's how my philosophy and that's how I've always worked. And... I came back from Australia. I was I spoke at the design conference in Brisbane uh, in Australia this year, and I loved it. It was an incredible experience. I loved the community. I loved what they were doing down there. And I came back home, and I was still absolutely buzzing, buzzing from it all, and the energy from people and what they wanted to do for their community was incredible. Not just creative community, the actual physical community and where they stay. I was like, I want to fuck. I want to bring us home. I want to do this back home. And I remember one of my my clients is based in uh, my town, and they're fantastic. Their their purpose is to make uh the, like a business regeneration group, and they want to make the the community up like a better economy for the community and stuff like that. And they were like, I was like, I want to do something. I want to provide this kind of thing for people and creatives that they can understand that um, you can do amazing stuff from small towns around the world kind of thing but I want to do it here and he's like right why don't we do a talk he says why don't you do a talk to all the people in Inverclyde and I says rather than me do a talk why don't we get other creatives in the area because there's so many people like like hidden away there's, there's sculptors there's artists there's um, photographers, architects, and all these amazing people. All these people that retired from the big cities, Correct. still young, and went away. Totally. Like, I get back to like where I stay. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. And within Inverclyde is like the district, so it's got multiple smaller towns in it. So this company, the guy Andrew who works for me, he's, he's amazing. He's fully, fully supportive. And he was like, right, let's do it. I'm like, like, like let's, do, let's do these talks as it's like a night we'll have three or four speakers from different different disciplines from the area so they've got to be based or from Inverclyde share what they do and just basically give them a platform that was the thing give them a platform to share their story and, um, and communicate with a wider audience so after the first night um, it was an incredible turnout like I mean usually like I only thought about 20 people would be there. 10 of them would be like my family and friends. That's what I generally thought. And um, the response was, like I said, incredible. We had between, I think it was like between 70 to 100 people. Which for that area? For that area is mental. And if you're saying niche, but creative industry, 
is even more compact again. And people were coming away. Like, I actually, it's just, the talks are phenomenal, right? The talks were absolutely brilliant. And I was just, I remember I'd done a little talk at the end. I was explaining how much this place means to me. And I was like, if anybody wants to chat afterwards, then come up and speak to me. This woman came up to me and she was in tears, literally in tears, saying, I needed this. Like, you've given me the spot to me for me to go on and pursue doing sculpting. And I was just like, she was like, and she explained that she's a, she stays at work at home, mum, uh, and she does it in her spare time. And she's, but I've always wanted to pursue it as an actual career. She's, but listen to your story and what you want to do for this area has made me realise that I can do it myself. And I was just, I almost burst into tears as well because she, it was just, it's an emotional thing, creatives are very emotional. So I came away from that event and I remember sitting in my car afterwards saying, I need to do something more. I have to do this. I have to do this and I have to pursue this, whatever this this is. Um, so, as again, the response was brilliant. And then we'd done a second event a couple of months later and we had another four speakers. And at this point, I started to think about more, like Creative Amicai right now is a, a, an events and talks night. But I feel as if it can be more than that, I feel like it could be more of a an, an organisation, a, a place that they can provide opportunities for other creators, um, obviously doing talks and connecting with other people and making a difference in the community, like working with the council, working with businesses, how to make this place um, much better, do you know what I mean? And I feel like the creative industries can be massive in that. So I kind of splurted this out. I splurted this out in this talk and just random, no script, just passion coming out and shouting and blaring all these things. But I, the fun thing is, I didn't realise who was going to be in the crowd. You'd never know who's going to be in the crowd. There was what I did realise later on was there was politicians, there was MPs, there was all these business people who obviously didn't have any idea. And what I found out is that they all believed in this, whatever this thing I was talking about, and what this belief and this passion that I have to provide for my. Uh, my community because I, gen- I, have th- I have this vision right I have this I don't know if it's a motto or but I want to help like creative people thrive I want them to be I, I want to inspire others to pursue their own dreams Th- and I want them to make do it make sure that they don't have to go to the major cities such as London or even Glasgow or Edinburgh to do to work with world class clients or even big clients or any kind of sort of clients you can do it from your hometown and with the way technology is now and the way the world is going it is possible but people are still scared of it and I just want to be able to I don't know provide that and just give some sort of inspiration for people to pursue it because I'm doing it now like I'm doing it in a, a bloody spare bedroom and I'm working with some of the biggest clients in the world which is incredible and I actually tell these clients, I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in my room. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll show them pictures of the water, turn the skin, and they love that. And I'm trying to show that it's, if I'm the, if I can do it, you can do it. So, going back to the people in the crowd, people who are wanting to get involved, more and more people were coming to the town. And people from, like you said earlier on, people from London are all moving back to Gourock and bringing their expertise, and they're all getting on board this, this thing that I'm... <sighs> passionate about and this I want to provide opportunities I want to create even potential schemes or, or mentoring schemes or something that, that can help people in their careers but I complained to 
saying that there's no buddy hub here, there's no office space for me to work, hence why I'm working in a spare bedroom. And what I didn't realise though is in from the first event that this snowballed effect was they've actually because of a creative and like this talk that I've created has potentially created a creative hub in my area, which is going to provide opportunities, spaces for artists, sculptures, myself, other graphic designers, agencies to come to the area. And it all came from me taking initiative and me having the balls to make something work and going for it and believing in something. Now, it's in its very, very early stages and the more and more people are wanting to get involved and help contribute. I do, I'm not even formalising it right because I don't know exactly what I'm trying to create but there's, there's an energy and there's a passion behind it. Because the, the thing here is like, you are building this now. Yeah. Like, in your head and also physically for mm -hmm. people to actually take advantage of this. Yeah. Because from what you were saying prior is like, you have a lot of people that are interested in this. Mm -hmm. And when I say people, I mean professionals. Yes. They know what they're doing and they're moved back home mm -hmm. because they prefer home to working into a big city. Yeah. And what they're trying to bring is the opportunities of the big cities mm -hmm. home, Yeah. which is huge. Mm -hmm. Like I moved to the countryside about a year ago yeah. for basically the same, the same reason, but hearing if this was going on in my area, you, you'd like, you're making me feel like I should get my ass in gear oh. <laughs> and start this. Because I've been yeah. talking about some of the creatives that moved away from Edinburgh yeah. and Glasgow and came to the area where I'm, 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 I live in East Lothian. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's lots of people who live there. Yeah. They're like working in the industry. Mm -hmm. and like, why don't we do something like that? Yeah. I mean, even for instance, we worked together with Gemma yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Gav. Yeah. And they were from Norberic, which <laughs> is a small city, a yeah, small town in that? East Lothian. Yeah. And I was like, so why don't we do something like that ourselves? Yeah. You know, yeah. God damn it. Because if you, if you can do it there, we can do it here. Of we can course. do it everywhere else. It's like, it just makes sense. The problem is, it's easy to say it, mm -hmm. but to do it, mm -hmm. that's where it gets hard. Then it's yeah. like, <clears throat> we are both busy professionals. Yeah. We're working, we're doing our thing, we have a career, mm -hmm. we're doing, we're, we're our own marketing mm -hmm. agency, yeah, yeah. we're our own communication <laughs> agency, you know, we're, we're, we do everything, everything ourselves for yeah. ourselves. So it's like, we even do our bloody taxes ourselves, yeah. right? So it's like, how do you go on and do this as well? How do I go on and talk about everything else Yes, I'm doing? how do you go on and create like Creative Hub? <sighs> well, it's actually, by the people involved who are coming along to the talks or who have been d doing the talks, feel invested in the area and invested in what Creative Amicleide is potentially going to be or what it is. And it's not so much just me. What has happened, I very much see Creative Amicleide as a collaborative project and I'm working with different pe people in different disciplines and stuff like that. So it's not, it's in terms of finding time and stuff like that, you find you make time and you find time and if you're passionate about something it will come through um don't get wrong we've i've planned a meeting which is three four weeks from now yeah but having that I, i'm very much structured in terms of scheduling and what my work and whatever mm -hmm. uh, with clients and i've actually openly spoken to clients about what i'm trying to achieve and mm -hmm. the funny saying that in fact i was down in london um a couple of weeks ago and i had a meeting with google and of course it was pretty awesome and 
But I, I started speaking about Creative Amoclide and yeah. they were just blown away by it. And I, but I didn't, it didn't really sink in with me because I'm just like, oh, I'm just starting this thing. But it's just, it's just the, it's the same way that you're explaining this back to me. Is it's so much more it's the fact that you're acting on it and you're yeah. trying to provide this and you're trying to create opportunities. You're trying to do these things, but it's actually happening. You're physically happening, and but you're working with other people to make it work as well. I don't have the skills. I don't have the business savvy to to do all these. I don't know the business structure to how to organise something like that. So, but. I've got the ideas, I've got the, the passion, the creative force to, to push out and to know how it can look and how it can feel. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're emotionally driven that and yeah. feel all these things. So, like, I can do a beautiful logo, I can yeah. communicate, I can do it yeah. all that. Now I need somebody that has the exactly. business things. But, like, so, there will be somebody interested yeah. in this and that they will collaborate with you yeah. to make it happen. Well, we've got, I've got five or six people who are, That's what I'm talking about, who are just bro. coming in. They're That's crazy. In. It's mental. It's absolutely mental. And they're they're just as passionate as me to to create this um, this thing, whatever it may be. Um, but the big, the main reason, the one, the main thing that's kind of pushed me towards doing it is because I want to, for my future kids and uh, family, I want them to grow up knowing that they can have a potential career in the creative industries, knowing they can learn how to be a sculptor or a graphic designer or an artist and actually make a career out of it. Because when I grew up, and I'm sure when you grew up, we had no idea what the hell we could do or do this in the creative industries. And I think it's really, really important that, for me personally, is to give them that platform and see if they turn and go, right, Daddy, I don't want to be designer, I don't want to do any of this, and I want to go be a plumber. So be it, do you know what I mean? At least, but that... For me, it may not just be for my kids, but it could other people's kids or the future. Like people always just think about now, but I'm thinking about a potential legacy. I think I feel of the impact they can make long when I'm gone. That's what I want. I want people to realise how important the creative industry is in the world and how it is big in everyone's life and stuff like that. And it's it frustrates life because it's so fucking underrated at times. And it frustrates the life at me that people just go, eh fucking logo here or whatever but it impacts everybody in every way that walks of life like I feel as if there should be more more about it in terms of standing up and making a making sure it continues on basically I think I don't even know if I've actually explained what it is I'm trying to do more but I think it, you did you did it's it's um it's an idea yeah it's something that is definitely heartfelt and and the, the thing is like <clears throat> it's something that is really useful mm-hmm. for people that are in the industry mm-hmm. and it's something that once you build it if people buys into it mm-hmm. that's something that is going to last it's yeah the, totally. the, the creative like new generation of creative people yeah. will use that place and, and not just that there'll be startups they'll need a place to be totally there'll be like as smaller businesses that yeah. need a place to be that's in all inclusive that's know? exactly what I'm thinking and there's also there's a college down my way who had to actually run a graphic design course yeah. and I want to bridge that gap because they're I'm trying to knock in their doors now talking about the event now and yeah. don't get me wrong it's hard to get students to come along to oh, it yeah. but I, you need to keep persevering but eventually I want to set up like a, like a 
maybe like an internship or a start-off scheme where they came in if they were starting off as a freelancer then there could be programs where for instance I could help them in a mentoring format where I could help with your portfolio yeah. or how to contact clients well, just the business side of things exactly. how do you run this how, how, how do you Correct. become exactly. a self-employed mm-hmm. professional how and then do you we have different and we, uh, hopefully with the people that are bringing on board uh, who are dis- discipline, uh, from different disciplines use their experience to help these mentoring schemes whether it is a startup or an experienced designer artist or whoever I want it to be a place where it's not as if you just come into a hub or whatever it is and just left to your own device there's going to be I want to be a support I want to be people to to cross collaborate between each other like since I started working on Creative Immerclyde and the people that I've worked I've worked with these people in multiple projects now but it all stemmed from Creative Immerclyde so it's so, so important to um, collaborate with others and meet other people and communicate with other people in different areas because you never know where it could lead to. Hence why I think something like this, this Creative Immerclyde slash hub slash organisation slash whatever it could be, would be massive. And I think my I, I, my aspirations and dreams are, it's not just Immerclyde, I wanted to impact the whole of Scotland. That's how big I feel that the creative industries is and, and I want people from far and wide, if they came to Immerclyde and go, you know what? I want to come here. I want to work in this studio. I want to set up my business here. I want to bring up my kids in this area. But because also you were talking about, it's not just about place. Mm-hmm. It's also about money. It's also about support. Yeah. There is more to it than just a place. Yeah. And like, you're practically helping people to reevaluate their hometowns, yeah. their own villages, yeah. their own places. And you're saying, look, there is this place here. Mm-hmm. There are like 20 villages and towns around yeah. it. Yeah. Let's all come in together yeah. and make this place awesome. Yeah. And like that is so inspiring also for the youth that comes from mm-hmm. these places because mm-hmm. this is not something you see every day, mm-hmm. right? And like if there are driven professionals mm-hmm. that do this mm-hmm. and they talk about it, yeah. then this this the, the new the new generation, the younger yeah. generation will get inspired by it. Uh, and they'll totally. be like, you know what, fuck it, I want to be a graphic designer yeah. like Craig, you know? Screw football. You've hit it nail on the head, do you know what I mean? Because my young cousin, right? My young cousin who doesn't know what he wants to do with his life and stuff like that. He's an incredible musician, incredible, but he's just kind of passionate aside now. He's just out partying, drinking, and all those things, just working on dead end jobs. And I said to him, like, he's always wanted to be a musician. Um, so his mum and my, my auntie and stuff asked me to like have a wee word with him and say like just speak to him what, what you want to do so I invite him along to come to Creative Immerclyde and see what you think he says you've got different disciplines talking he came away from that totally inspired he packed in his job he's now pursuing um, his music career now plus he's a one to dabble he's doing illustrations for his own CD covers now so and I'm helping him with um, how to market his work as well and it's just like that's what I'm talking about exactly and that's I'm, awesome it's things like that I'm just like we, let's take that further and don't get me wrong like I started speaking to like um, um, different organisations out with Inverclyde about what I'm trying to achieve and they're fully supportive and um, wanting to get involved with universities and colleges and all these things and wanting to come in I, I don't I don't know they're just all these ideas it's all ideas at this stage. there are ideas there are people involved yep. there are people that want to get involved yep. hopefully there'll be some money in, yep. the into, in the middle that can help make this of happen course. and like I mean you got all the ingredients Yeah. the recipe is a little bit wobbly <laughs> but it can get better <laughs> it can. And like, but then after that you're off to the races yeah exactly, exactly. And like on this it crushes me 
but I have to call this a quit because like, <laughs> we're gonna get we kicked out of so the studio. <laughs> yeah. We can. It feels like we just started. I know. God I know. damn, man! It was like. Did you even ask a question? So I mean, to be I honest, I asked you. <laughs> it was one question. Was it one question? To start maybe with two. Maybe two. Oh no way! Uh, yeah, I took away my like you know I have notes and stuff. <laughs> I just like, like halfway through I closed the book oh, yeah. and I was like that's it. There's no need for notes now. No, wow. Well, Thanks for having me. It's been great. Craig, it was an absolute blast, mate. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to have you again. Because yeah, now we have the origin story. Now we need to talk about the rest of the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. No, We're going to need definitely. to do like a, a three-part episode. Yeah, definitely. Oh, God damn it. That was so good. No, thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you very much. Well, thank you all for listening. Bye.